0: Isaiah 55 tonight, I want to see how, how the Lord wants to navigate me, and I want to, we're going to use just really three big key main portions of text tonight, but I want to speak to you the next few moments concerning, actually, the glory. <laughs> Tonight, I've entitled this Divine Obsession. If you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. Take some notes tonight, Divine Obsession, Divine Obsession. But I'm speaking tonight along the lines of the glory. Isaiah chapter 55, and we're going to look at that in just a moment, and I guess I better turn there because I'm in song. <laughs> so, give me a minute. <laughs> Now I'm there. Ho! Oh, there it is. Ho! Oh. <laughs> it's a good place to start tonight. Ho! Oh. Oh. Ho! There's um, there's nothing like sitting in the hills of Jerusalem. Some of you have been there with us. There's nothing like sitting in the hills of Jerusalem, and I was there a few years back, and having really an epic adventure and journey with the Lord and with one of my dearest friends. And if I wasn't laughing, I was crying. If I wasn't crying, I was laughing. God's presence was just electrifying. And we uh, set some special days apart. We were in Jerusalem. We were in the old city of David. We had explored the... um, Hezekiah's tunnels and then we went into an archaeological dig of King David's palace in the old city of David. And it was it was magnificent. We got to spend a lot of quiet time there. We we weren't in a hurry to go you know anywhere else on a tour. It was just our time to be with the Lord and as I was sitting there, I, I began to imagine what it was like for to actually see King David and his mighty men and the priest bearing up the Ark of the Covenant and coming back in to Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant, finally arriving, finally making it. And if you know the story, it is a story of ultimate sacrifice of every six paces they were stopping and sacrificing unto the Lord. Um, It was not a pretty sight. It was literally a trail of blood and guts before the Lord. They were sacrificing unto the Lord to make sure they would literally do it right to get the glory of his presence resting in Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that when they arrived, it was like, man, David's full strength, King David's full strength hit him. And he was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. The Spirit of God hit him in such a way he danced before the Lord with all of his might. And it's a we're keeping it G rated tonight, but he stripped down before the Lord. And it bothered even his wife, Michael. And she, we know the story, she mocked him. She watched him from her window and she mocked the king. And he said to her, he said, it wasn't before you that I was dancing in the first place. I wasn't dancing for you. This isn't about you. This is between me and my king for his glory. And by the way, I'm going to become even more undignified than this. That's what he said. Now, if that don't turn your crank, I don't know what will tonight. I love King David. I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to meet him and become friends for all eternity to be friends. Brian, David. <laughs> My middle name is David. Thank you, mom and dad who are watching. I was thinking about David whirling before the Lord and dancing with all of his might. And I I made a commitment to the Lord that day as I was in Jerusalem. I said, Lord, when you come and you establish your throne right there on Zion, on Zion's mountain, And we come with you, and you put your throne in the earth, on earth, as it is in heaven. I'm going to dance before you like David did. (laughs) I made a commitment. I will make good on that commitment, and you will see me there. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about divine obsession. And I want to talk to you about the glory of God for the next few moments. I don't know how long I'm going to go. I'm in the thick of it just like you tonight. And I, I really don't predetermine or premeditate how a message from the Lord is ever going to come out of me. But I just feel like I'm in a hot tub up here tonight <laughs> with the Lord. And it, it really feels magnificent. And it feels so wonderful to be hugged by our Father and loved by our Father. The world is very ugly. The world is very ugly. The world is in a hard press. The world is very difficult. It's wonderful to come together in this place and be family and love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength and worship the way we do and then have God hold us and hug us. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this place is magnificent because he washes out of us the the actual difficulty and the turmoil and and the press that's going on with us in this life. And so what's beautiful, there is a transaction that happens. The Holy Spirit just, just squeezes out of us like a towel or squeegees us and gets all of that that stuff out, and then he fills us again with fresh oil. Fresh oil. Somebody say fresh oil. oil. He fills us with fresh oil. And we're renewed. And that's exactly what is supposed to happen when we come together and we become the house of the Lord. Amen. We become the house of the Lord, not this building or this this campus. We become the house of the Lord. And as Brent said, the reason that this place is holy is because the Lord is here. And the reason this place is also holy is because we are here. Amen? Amen. We've worshipped buildings and structures and architecture, and believe me, I love architecture. Um, If anybody knows me well, I love architecture and art, and I love all of that. But I can tell you, I've also been to the Vatican. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And that wasn't what I thought. (laughs) Here's my point. Architecture is not everything. Ho, everyone who (laughs) thirsts. Ho, (laughs) ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come by and eat. Yes, come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for for what is not bread, and your wages for what it does not satisfy. Isn't that the question? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you did not know, and nations you did not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. (laughs) Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And let the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return to the Lord, and the Lord will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord, and as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts." For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but water the earth and make it to bring forth the bud, bring bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so shall my word that, that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish what I please And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I actually can't stop there. i got to read verse 12 too. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap there. I want to focus in on verse 8 and 9. Just stay with me tonight. I'm going to see how the Lord's going to do this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Help me, Lord. For my thoughts, they're not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. And as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts and your thoughts. I want to key in on this for just a moment. In Christ, we are actually issued... An invitation. We are issued an invitation into the very thoughts of God and the ways of God. And the way that it comes to us, the way that the ways of God and the thoughts of God come to us is in Christ. Hear this tonight. That is why God sent His Son. That is why God sent His Holy Spirit to live and dwell within us so that. God's thoughts could be imparted into us. Hear that again. So that God's thoughts and his ways could be imparted into us. Don't stop short of it just thinking that God's ways in, are higher than all, all the heavens. His thoughts are so high and so lofty that we, we can't even, it's just untouchable. No, it's why Father sent his son so that he could impart into us through his son his thoughts, his dreams, his intentions, his desires, and then those, once we begin to hunger for that and we, we yield ourselves to them, we surrender ourselves to them, we begin to love those thoughts, we begin to love those dreams Those dreams become one with us. We become one with those dreams. We yield over to those dreams. And what happens is out of that union in Christ with God sharing His intentions and dreams and thoughts with us, what happens is we become a manifestation of His thoughts and dreams. We manifest it. The thing that I send my word forth in, it shall prosper. The thing that I send my word forth It will not return unto me void, but the thing that I send it forth to do it, it shall prosper. And the thing that God sends forth His will to actually be manifested is on the inside of you and I. Are you with me tonight? So it's an invitation to love the thoughts of God. It's an invitation to love the ways of God. It's an invitation to become a man and a woman that crave and long to desire the ways of God. I want to give you a scripture out of Psalm 103 and verse 7 concerning Moses and the children of Israel. Look at it with me. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Don't miss this. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. This is key because when it says he made his ways known to Moses, he's making known the why. The, the, the children of Israel, they experienced everything that Moses did in the glory and in the fire and in the tabernacle. But, but what God did in his relationship. His relationship with Moses is is in the why. When he says, I I showed him my ways, God was saying, I'm going to show you my thoughts and why I am doing what I'm doing. It's, It's much deeper. Many people see what God is doing, yet... Lack the friendship of understanding and knowing the why. Why is God moving in this way? And I submit that to you even in this hour where many seem um, perplexed and confused and misunderstanding the, the hour. Those that will draw near unto the Lord and love His heart and His ways... We will receive clarity on the ways of God, on what He is doing in this hour. And it is epic what He is doing in this hour. Our God does not know what it is to lose. Our God does not know what it is to fail. He has never lost. He never fails. He never fails His children. He never abandons His children, He never walks away from His church. He never walks away from His beloved bride. He never lets go of the hand and the heart of His bride. I tell you, He wants us to know His thoughts. He wants us to know His ways in this hour. Now, grab hold of this tonight. Vision is this. Vision is when God shares His thoughts and desires with you. I want you to write it down. That sounds very simple, but I want you to write it down. This is fresh out of the oven, ladies and gentlemen. I got here at 10 a.m. This is fresh baked bread. This isn't regurgitating anybody else. This is me with the Lord. And that's how we do it here at Victory. Vision is when God shares His thoughts with you. Vision is when He shares His desires with you. God looks for men and women who actually will crave friendship with him. God looks for men and women who will crave friendship with him, that they will be a people who choose to wait on God. As you can see tonight, we're not in a hurry. We're not in a hurry. And one of the main reasons that we do Saturday night church is so that we're not in a hurry. Sunday morning church is in a hurry. And that's why we don't do Sunday morning church. It's in a hurry. And there's other reasons too. (laughs) God's looking for men and women who will invest quality time with him that are actually inquiring of God. They're actually inquiring, God, I want to know your thoughts. God, I want to know your thoughts. I want to know your ways. I want to know what you're doing. Guys, let that be in your, your times of prayer and intercession with the Lord. God, what are you doing right now? What are you doing in my family? What are you doing in my life? Show me what you're doing in my life right now. What are you doing in this region? God, show me what you're doing in America right now. Show me what you're doing in the nations. Let let yourself inquire of God in that way. Vision is what? It's It's when God shares his thoughts and his desires with you. Here's another piece of it. You cannot share and speak until you have seen. You cannot share or speak until you have seen. What is that? That's vision. God wants you to see. You're you're not actually able to declare a thing until you see it. God wants to open the eyes of your heart. He wants to open the eyes of your understanding so that you begin to really see something. I'm going to give you a biblical picture of this tonight really on how it works. See, the Spirit of God comes to teach us how to see. He, he comes to give us spiritual perceptions, spiritual visions, spiritual revelations, so that we are actually catching what many are missing all around us. But the Spirit of God, to become a friend of God, to be, oh, are you okay? Yes. To be intimate with God. To be a man or a woman who's intimate with God in friendship, it will actually give birth to the gift of being able to see and perceive and start understanding by the Spirit of God what He's doing, okay? Let me give you a biblical picture of what I'm saying, Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2, I'm going to read just a few verses here. Stay with me tonight. God, open our spiritual eyes. Habakkuk chapter 2, and I'm taking my time tonight, and I'm, I am in a zone up here with the Lord. I will stand my watch. Everyone say, I am a watchman. A watchman. Say it again. A that sounds good, church. I will stand my watch. And I will set myself on the rampart. And those of you that went to Israel with me and Bren, you know exactly how that felt. Standing on the walls of Jerusalem and the ramparts and looking through those little narrow windows. I see you smiling. It was awesome, wasn't it? And then watch what he says. He says, I will set myself on the rampart. I will watch and see... What he will say to me. Did you catch it? I will watch and see. I'll set myself as a watchman. Then I will watch and see what he will say to me. See, it's vision. It's God's thoughts. And what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on the tablets that he, who, that, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, or a kairos time. It's for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarry or linger, wait for it. Honey, I need a water. Help me. Commercial rig. When you're going to preach or teach, you're not supposed to sing your voice out in worship. And I can't help it because Cody leads us. I can't help it. We we just have to go there. I can't hold back. Help me, Lord. The vision is for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. It will not lie. And though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come and it will not tarry. But here's the point. Watch this. I'll stand at the watch. I will set myself in the rampart, and I will watch and see what he will say. And then I'll write the vision. Notice there's nothing really to say or communicate until you see it. You have to see it. You have to see it. And when you spend intimate time with God, what happens is your spirit begins to see. You set yourself in your watch of prayer. You don't have to be standing still to watch and pray. You can be out under the stars like I do many nights and walk late at night and just on my watch and pray. And that's when I begin to see. And the Lord begins to take me places and speak to me about key things or people or people just come right up in front of me. You know how it is. It happens to you too. The Holy Spirit begins to just bring people right up in front of you and then You're able to pray, right? You begin to see. Now drop down to verse 14, same chapter. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Now, that's a vision from God that he's wanting to share with all of us. Amen? you got to see that. God wants to show you that. Now... I've set up some foundations in this message, and I want to segue now into the life of David. Acts chapter 13, put it in your notes tonight, verse 22. Well, when you look at the life of David, what happens is you you begin to see a blueprint of having a vision for the glory of the Lord. I'm going to say that again. You begin to have a blueprint of a life of what it means to have a vision. For the glory of the Lord. Acts 13, 22. And when he, who's that, God, had removed him, that's Saul, when God had removed Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all of my will. That's powerful. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. Put it in your notes. Look at it with me tonight. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be a commander. Catch that language. The Lord has commanded him to be a commander. What is that? that? That's a leader with intensity. That, that's a leader that is proactive. That, a, a commander is a leader that will not back down. God saw a man that he could raise up as just, not, not just a nice shepherd, but a commander. I, I'm going to find the man that I need to be a commander with some intensity over the people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. So we're getting some instructions now about what God was doing as he was on the quest and he was on the hunt who was actually going to lead the children of Israel. Saul's reign is coming now to a dreadful end. Everything is a disaster. And so God looks and he finds in the house of Jesse, the youngest there, David, the shepherd boy. Right? Are you with me tonight? I want to show you an additional scripture this evening First Chronicles chapter 28. This is powerful. This is what Ezra wrote concerning David's own words. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be the ruler. And of the and of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among sons of my father. He was pleased with me to make me king over Israel. Notice that language. Interesting. God was pleased with me. Do you know what it says in the King James Version, the actual King James Version? It uses these words. It doesn't just say that God was pleased with me. It actually says God liked me. I don't know how many of you like that, but I really like that. He said God Liked me. Howbeit, the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my fathers to be king over Israel forever. He hath chosen Judah to be ruler over and, and of the house of Judah and of the rulers of my father and among the sons of my father. He liked me and made me king over Israel. Did you catch that? David said, God liked me. I think it's important tonight that we answer some questions. Why did God like David? Why was God so pleased with David that he would raise him up? Now, we've already answered the question. God said, I, I literally have found a man after my own heart. This is, this is amazing. Have you ever wondered why, though, that God called David a man after his own heart. I'm setting this up tonight. Have you have you really wondered why? Why did God call him a man after his own heart? I have to do this tonight. I have to take you to a, some certain places. And I want you to go to Psalm 132 this evening. I want to take you back in time, and I want to take you back in a story. And what I'm doing right now is I'm not romanticizing and rehearsing just biblical history. I'm talking to you in the prophetic. I'm giving you a prophetic blueprint tonight on entering into the glory and how to be a person who lives in the quest Of the glory. This is an epic transition in David's life because in his destiny, he would now shift from being a lowly shepherd to a ruling king. It's hard to fathom this that here Samuel goes down to his his dad's house. He looks for the king, he looks at Eliab. He thinks, surely this is the Lord's anointed, the oldest. And there's a lesson coming in that that we're going to look at tonight. But it wasn't him. But then finally he finds David. David finally comes in before the prophet Samuel. Samuel takes the ram's horn filled with oil, pours it over David's head, and saturates him with the anointing oil to be the king of Israel. This this is epic stuff. But soon after this time, I mean... The body of Goliath would be hitting the ground not far from there. There would be a severed head from Goliath. But after that time, there was an unrelenting evil that was going to chase David down and hunt him down like a criminal. And now it was on. Because Saul was turning into a madman. Saul was turning into something that was anti-anointing. He was turning into something that was vile. And David would end up actually facing test after test for the Lord to prepare him for the throne. But also prepare him to understand the ways of the glory. Are you with me tonight? Now I'm going to read, before we go into Psalm 132, I'm going to read Acts 13, to you one more time. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And he will do everything I want him to do. That's what I want to lodge into your heart. I want to put that seed Right into your heart. Because that's what God is looking for. God is looking for men and women who are so in love with him, so yielded to him in friendship, so yielded to him in intimacy that they will literally do exactly what God tells them to do. They will not relent from it. They will not break rank from what God is commissioning them to do. God chose him. He said, he's a man after my heart. And here's the thing. I know that he'll do everything I tell him to do. Man, that, that's, a, that's a massive compliment from God. Now, so what was David's secret? What was it about David that made God want to bless him so much? What is it that caused David to have a distinction in the eyes of God? One more scripture before we read Psalm 132. Put this in your notes tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, I do not look at the appearance or the physical stature because I have refused him. And who is he talking about? He's talking about Eliab. Eliab was the oldest of the sons of Jesse's house. I do not look at the appearance or the stature you, you got to understand, what God, God is looking at the heart. The, there is nothing about me in the natural that makes me anointed that you're looking at. This shirt is beautiful. My wife just bought it for me. It's the first time I've ever worn it. And everybody in here went, wow, my gosh, this shirt is beautiful. And you've been saying that to me all night. And it is. It's the first time I've ever worn it. But this shirt does not make me anointed. My hair does not make me anointed. My boots does not make me anointed. A good tan does not make you anointed. It, it, it has nothing to do with it. it uh, seriously, it has nothing to do with it. God says, and here's, here's what we need tonight, tonight to know this. He said, I don't look at the stature. I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. The Lord does not see As man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is what it's all about. God, I I say it a lot like this. When I'm dealing with people, I get past all of the fluff with people, and I go down to the root system. I, I get past really quick all the leaves that are blowing on the tree that everybody seemingly looks at. They look in the natural and oh, look at their pretty leaves blowing and, and wow, look, look at that. But I want to see, I want to see down in the root system. I, I want to go deeper, and that's what God does. God says, I, I'm not looking at your, your outward appearance. I'm not even impressed by that. And Eliab, he's head and shoulders above everybody else, just like Saul was. But I'm not. I'm not looking for that. I'm actually looking for a man or a woman with a heart. A heart that desires me to love me. To be friends with me, to honor me as King, Lord, and God, but be friends with me, and that will do everything that I tell them to do, even when it hurts. Now, Psalm 132. You thought I forgot. Now I'm going there. Psalm 132, and this is, this is really epic. David is on... He's on the run for his life, ladies and gentlemen. Saul is evolving into a madman. But this is what we discover here. We discover a vow. We discover a commitment or an oath. You need to write that down. You discover a vow between David and God. There's something going on between God and David that is so sacred. And up, out of David's heart comes an oath to God. He sevens himself to God. That's what it means to give an oath. He sevens himself. He speaks an oath unto God. He gives a commitment. He gives a promise unto God. Lord, remember David and his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and he vowed. To the mighty one of Jacob, surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my own bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes nor slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it. What is it? It's the ark. We heard of the ark. We heard of it in Ephrathah. And where, where is Ephrathah? Ephrathah is Bethlehem. We heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of the woods. And perhaps your translation literally says Kirjath-Jerim. Kirjath-Jerim is the actual place of the fields of the woods. That's where the Ark of the Covenant had been left. And no one would go to get it. Let us go to his tabernacle in verse 7. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, To your resting place, you and the ark of your strength, and let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. Verse 13. Let's just jump down there. For the Lord has chosen Zion, and he has desired it for his dwelling place, or a place of habitation. This is my resting place. Read the next word. Forever. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread, and I will also clothe her priests with salvation. And her saints shall shout aloud for joy. You see, that's biblical, to shout aloud for joy. You see that? The saints will shout aloud for joy, and I will make the horn of David groan, and I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. Now, you got to catch this tonight. David made a vow. He made a secret vow, and he made a promise to God. God, I'm I'm not even going to go into my bed. I'm not even going to go into my chambers. I have to find a resting place. A habitation for the the glory of the Lord. And then he says, God, you have chosen Zion for your resting place. Now, go back to the front of this, this train. You have to see it first before you can proclaim it and say it. Somewhere in the journey, somewhere in the relationship between David and God, God showed him what his obsession was. God had chosen a place. Hear that. God had chosen a place. This is where I want my glory to reside. This is where I want to build a resting place and a habitation. And when David got a hold of that, ladies and gentlemen, it became a divine inspiration, a divine thought. And I will tell you tonight, it became a divine obsession in him. When God shared his desire in him, what happened is David fell in love with God's obsession. David fell in love with God's dream. And David yielded himself over to that dream to make sure that it would actually become a reality. Because what did God say? I've chosen a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I tell him to do. Are you catching this? In verse 8, he says, Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let the priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. Then he goes on again. You've chosen Zion. Now you've got to see it. David apprehended a divine thought from God. And David is making a promise now to make sure that the ark will be restored to, to Jerusalem, to the mountain of Zion. And I submit to you tonight, hear this, the reason that God said he is a man after my own heart is because David pledged himself to make sure that God would get what he wanted. And what God wanted was the ark of his glory to be brought forth. Because when the ark of the glory would come forth and be resting on Zion then God could pronounce mercy and grace to the nation of Israel and to the ends of the earth. Stay with me tonight. David discovered God's dream. And God's dream is what? That his glory shall become a habitation. I'm going to say that again. God's dream is that his glory shall become a habitation. That his glory shall become a habitation that's God's dream. We talked about Isaiah chapter 4 verse 5 last week how the glory shall be our covering, the glory shall be our defense. The ark of the of the glory, the ark of the covenant was God's throne in the earth in the old covenant. It was literally God's throne. It was the rep- representation of God's throne. Are you still with me tonight? Let's take a pop quiz. Can we do that tonight? And by the way, this, this pop quiz is an open book exam. Can I see some open books? This is an open book exam. Can I see it tonight? Yes. Yeah. See, when, when Israel would go to battle, they would take the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Glory of God, and they would bring it out in front of them, and God would give them, when they were in right alignment, and i got to make sure I say that, when they were right in right alignment with God and they would release the Ark of the Covenant out before them, God would give them unprecedented victory over their enemies. God would utterly destroy their enemies because of the glory. The glory was a covering. The glory was a defense for Israel. Now, in the Old Testament age, which country was the holiest to God when he looked on the earth? Israel. Can I get an amen? Okay, so you got number one. Okay, number two. When when God looked at Israel, what was the holiest city in Israel? That was good. And then the next question is, when God looked into Jerusalem, what was the most holy place and location to God in Jerusalem? Mount Zion. Yeah, we're making traction here. And on Mount Zion would rest the very presence of God in a piece of furniture. And that holiest piece of furniture was the throne of the Lord in the Old Covenant. And it was called the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Now, don't go to Indiana Jones right now. Just <laughs> let's, let's stay Bible. Let's stay Bible. Can we do that? <laughs> now. God said that in the Old Testament, he said, I will speak to the high priest between the wings of the cherub. And the wings of the cherub were the wings of those angels that were handcrafted on top of the mercy seat. The mercy seat was that golden slab that rested on top of the Ark of the Covenant. God said to the high priest, I will speak to them there. It was the highest, hear this tonight. The Ark of the Covenant was the highest place of authority in the earth in the Old Covenant. That's a powerful thought. It was the highest place of authority where the voice of God, He said, I will speak to them there. They would go in and they would present the blood To pour upon the mercy seat and God would atone. He would cover. Our sins have not just been covered. Our sins have been completely removed from us by the blood of Jesus in a a better, a, a far exceeding greater covenant. Our sins have not just been covered. They have been completely removed from us. Now hear this tonight. It was the highest place of the seat of authority. And what happened was is they had to learn the protocol of worship. And the old covenant, the tabernacle, did that. Now, I have to point to this because the Ark of the Covenant points to the person of Jesus. And it points to the finished work of Jesus. Moses was given instructions. Hear this tonight. This is going to bless your socks off if you're wearing socks. Moses was given instructions that the ark was to be created out of acacia wood and then it was to be overladen with pure gold. Acacia wood. Acacia wood is the only wood in Israel that is called incorruptible wood. And it points to the deity of Jesus that literally Jesus came in the likeness of a sinful man yet Jesus was spotless he, was, he could not be touched. He had no blemish of sin or iniquity within him. He was incorruptible. And then the ark had to be overladen with pure gold. We're talking about the glory tonight. We're not just romanticizing biblical history. We're going somewhere with this. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? The rest of you. All right. So Jesus came in the likeness of sinful man, but there was no sin found in him. Then the lid on the ark, again, it was called the mercy seat. It was made out of one pure golden slab. It was hand hammered into shape as the covering. The slab had the two cherubim angels to actually create the mercy seat. And it's the Hebrew word kopareth. The Hebrew word The Hebrew word kopareth literally means mercy seat. This is so awesome. Powerful. Now, the lid was never to be lifted. Again, don't go to Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you would. Stay with me. The lid was never to be lifted. Inside, underneath the lid, there were three pieces of items. And we know what those were. The first one was the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. On Mount Sinai. In that ark was the Ten Commandments. Also inside that ark was Aaron's rod. It was the rod of authority that had budded. The third piece was a golden bowl of manna. Which is called angel's food. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Now this is powerful. He said they were not to lift that mercy seat. And why? The commandments that were hidden under The mercy seat do what? The commandments speak to us of our own rebellion and our own inability to keep God's law. I'm going to say that again. The commandments literally speak of our rebellion and our inability to keep God's law. And His law was perfect. Can I get an amen in this house? Aaron's rod was just not an ordinary rod. We remember the, the children of Israel, they were griping about God's appointed authority. God raised up spiritual authority in the wilderness, spiritual leadership. And the, the children of Israel were griping and complaining about Aaron being raised up as high priest. How many of you remember this? So he said, I want all of my leaders, I want those 12 leaders to take their staffs and lay them down before the Ark of the Covenant. And whatever one comes to life, we will know exactly who God has selected or appointed and chosen. And this should give anyone hope that any dead stick or tree that lays down in the glory and the presence of God can bloom again. And what happened that night is Aaron's rod bloomed. A dead rod, a dead stick came to life in the presence of the glory of God that stick began to bloom blossoms sprouting forth I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen it doesn't matter what is going on in this world when you get in the glory you'll start blossoming, blooming fruit will come forth from you in the glory of the Lord come on give him praise But Aaron's rod speaks of this. Aaron's rod speaks of man's rebellion against God's appointed authority. You've got to catch this tonight. The Ten Commandments represent the law perfectly that we were not able to keep. Yet now we see Aaron's rod. And the rod speaks of what? Man's rebellion against God's authority. And you know that's still going on in 2022. And commandments are still being broken in 2022. But then there's another piece to this. There's a golden pot of manna. In Isaiah, or excuse me, in Psalm 78, you can look at it later, put it in your notes, manna is called angel's food. And while they they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, this angel's food was pouring like snow out of the sky. You remember this? And they would gather that manna together, they were not able to store it. Remember? Because it would mold over or it would rot. And God was teaching them, I am your provider. I'm Jehovah Jireh, and I will provide for you freshly every single day. You're not allowed to store it up, but I'm going to provide for you every day. But why was that golden bowl inside the Ark of the Covenant? Well, it was because of this. The Bible says that there was no sickness upon them, not one day in the wilderness, right? But they complained to God and they called manna worthless bread. What does that mean? It means that God's people were rebelling against even his provision. They were rebelling against his law. They were rebelling against godly leadership. They were rebelling against God's provision over their life. Every item, hear this tonight, every item in the ark speaks of our own sin and our rebellion against God. Yet in God's loving, loving grace, he placed them inside the ark and he covered it with a mercy seat to be sealed with the blood of atonement by his own Son. Because God wanted to ultimately deal with our sin and rebellion. And God wanted to proclaim to us mercy. God knew we couldn't keep His law. God knew that we would resist His authority. God knew we would resist those that He would raise up. God knew that we would even bark at His provisions. And He said, I have to bring my own son... As a propitiation for them, for a covering, to become our mercy seat, to become our mercy seat for us. Oh. God had to have the blood of the lamb, the eternal lamb, the son of God, the lamb. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. God had to have the lamb slain from the foundation of the world come to to release and become our mercy seat, to give us mercy and to triumph over judging us. God did not want to judge you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him. Might be saved. He did not want to release condemnation. He did not want to release judgment. God loves. He delights in mercy. In mercy. Now we're going somewhere. We're gaining traction tonight. And I'm going the distance with this tonight. I'm still in the hot tub. But I'm going the distance. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. Look at it with me tonight. And he himself is our propitiation for our sins. And not of not for ours only, but also for the entire world. It's not a word that we often use that he's our propitiation, but it's the exact same word as mercy seat. This means that Jesus became our sacrifice to divert God's wrath that was meant for us, but God actually had to put it upon him. Isn't that amazing? The wrath that was meant for us was actually put upon Jesus. The wrath that was meant for us was transferred over to Jesus, the spotless eternal Lamb of God. He had to receive the wrath of the penalty of Brian's sins, of Brian's iniquity, of Brian's rebellion, of Brian's running. You got to take it personal ladies and gentlemen and he placed it upon his son and he made Jesus our mercy seat to cover our sins and our disobedience and our rebellion that's why it's, that's, that's why it's very dangerous to lift the mercy seat if you if you want Bible for how dangerous it is you can look in 1 Samuel chapter six look at it later because some of you are thinking about Steven Spielberg taking his liberty, and you know, the Nazis crack it open. How many of you remember that? Can we go there for a moment? It won't blow the message, I promise. But, but, but they, they crack the lid, and it, everything ghostly is appearing. And you know, men's skin is melting, and their eyes are popping, their eyes are melting, and all that. Steven Spielberg. It's a phenomenal movie. I, I, I love the movie, but he really took his liberty. But if you want to see what, it, what, what it actually happened, read 1 Samuel chapter 16, where, where they tried to prop open the lid, and literally, the men that tried to do that, they were split in two by bolts of lightning. The power of God so emanated out of the ark, it says, it, it says in the, in the, literally in the King James Version, they were split in two. God wasn't playing around. He did not want that mercy seat lifted. He wasn't playing around. Because ultimately, what are you dealing with? You're dealing, hear this, with the glory. And there can't be any games. Are you hearing this? This is so good. Can we keep going? So David said, for the Lord has chosen Zion... He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. So here's the question. Why did God choose Zion for his resting place? Why didn't he choose Sinai? That's where he showed up before, right? Here's what I want to give you tonight. Take some notes. Mount Zion represents grace and mercy. Mount Zion represents grace and mercy. Now, remember this. We're not just romanticizing biblical history. We're going somewhere in this revelation tonight. Mount Sinai represents the law. Hear that again. Mount Sinai represents the law. On the first Pentecost, the first Pentecost, when was that? It was 50 days after Passover. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Where did he give them? He gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. On that day... On that day, you'll remember this, when God wrote out the Ten Commandments, and he did it by his own finger, chiseling it into the side of the mountain. When Moses and Joshua were coming down, Joshua said, Moses, listen, I hear the sound of war. He says, no, 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 that's not war. That's the sound of revelry and partying. That's actually the sound of idolatry. And what happened was, is we know the Scriptures, at the bottom of the mountain, they had made themselves an Egyptian calf, and they were whoring themselves after it. They were bowing down and worshiping. It was the sound of idolatry. While God is writing in the, in the mountain His law and giving it to, to Moses, they're down beneath, and they've entered into now total idolatry and into an orgy. It's what happened. It's what happened. And what happened beyond that is when God came down and the law was revealed, the consequence broke out. And the Bible says 3,000 people were killed in a moment. Did you hear that? But in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there was another sound. And it wasn't the sound of reverie or partying. It was the sound of the wind of God that came on the day of Pentecost, and it and it whisked through Jerusalem, and it went into an upper room, and cloven tongues of fire began to set on every one of them, and they began to speak in heavenly tongues, and the fire of the Lord was poured out. And what happened? Peter got up, and he said, "This is not. This is." This is not what you think is going on, but this is that which was actually spoken by the prophet Joel. Then in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And what happened on that very day? 3,000 people were saved and brought into the kingdom. Why? Because the letter kills and the spirit gives life. Did you hear it? Did you hear it in your heart? Did you hear it in your heart? Because the letter kills, yet the Spirit gives life. Now, John chapter 1, verse 17. This is awesome. See, the law brings condemnation for sin, but grace brings salvation. The law brings condemnation for sin, but grace brings salvation. The law was given to us through Moses, but grace and truth came to us through Jesus Christ. Wow. Grace and truth was revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Some people portray God as his anger endures forever and his mercy is just a glimmering flick. But it's actually the very opposite. Is that God's anger is for yet just a moment, but his mercy endures forever. Isn't that awesome? I got to throw this in tonight. I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. This is so powerful because it says that Jesus who literally knew no sin, he became sin for us. He became a curse that we might become the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And here we go. David made a sacred vow between him and God. He had a divine assignment to bring the ark to Mount Zion. He had a divine assignment. It became a divine obsession. The Bible says that he went to Kirjath-Jerim, the place of the field. Why did God choose him? Because God said, he's a man after my own heart. He'll do everything that I say. So what happened? God put a divine... Catch this. Stay with me tonight. Please stay with me. We're moments away from being done. A few moments. God put it within him to go on the quest to Kirjath-Jerim where the ark was in hiding and find it. And I submit this to you. This is very interesting to me. It's amazing to me that King Saul never in all of his rule over Israel never went and sought out and looked for the ark of the covenant, not one day. I tell you that Saul's ministry is still alive in the earth right now in 2022, because they can do all that they want to do without the presence and the glory. They don't need it. They can administrate it all. They don't need the glory. They don't need the presence. They figured out a system. Are you with me tonight? But David, and that's the tribe that we're a part of. David said, I'm going to Kirjath-Jerim. And I'm going to get the ark. Now, what's awesome, David grew up in the city of Bethlehem. David grew up where? In Bethlehem. That's where he was from. Someone else was born in Bethlehem, too. Let's check our Bible history. Uh, Jesus was born there. Isn't that right? David had grown up learning about the ark of the covenant. He had grown up learning about the ark of the glory. And he had a divine thought. And that divine thought became his divine obsession. See, when you understand the revelation of the mercy seat, and you understand how God put a divine obsession within the heart of David, it begins to change everything to what God is slating for this hour concerning God says, I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle of David in this hour. That's Amos 9-11 if you want Bible for that. See, God had shown him, I have to put the ark on that place. I have to put it there. And the reason why God had to put it on Zion is because it had, you have to see it first before you can say it. Remember where we started at the front of this train? You have to stand in your place as a watchman and you've got to see it and then you can proclaim it. And what God was doing, God wanted us all to see the picture of the ark being put there because God was foreshadowing and forbearing prophecy saying... The son of David, the son of man, the son of Abraham, the son of God is going to sit exactly where the Ark of the Covenant sat on Zion, on the Temple Mount of Jerusalem. And when he comes again, Jesus Christ, his very throne, will be in the earth. It will not be in the city of Chicago. It will not be even in the city of Sarasota. It will be in the city of Jerusalem in On Mount Zion, exactly where the Ark of the Covenant rested. Why? So that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth, even as the waters cover the sea. And that mercy and grace would cover the earth. Oh, my gosh. David was a man after his own heart, and it's proven it's proven that David was a man after his own heart because grace and mercy began to work on the inside of David. David was in an inferior covenant. What covenant was he under? It's an eye for an eye. It's a tooth for a tooth. And yet David wouldn't even touch Saul. He refused to kill Saul. Saul was brought into his own hands. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird story. Saul is going to the bathroom. And David is right there. How more more intimate can you get than that? David's hiding in the cave. He reaches out on his garment, cuts the piece off of his garment, and then says, hey, uh, Saul, hello. The Lord led you right into my hands, and I, I, I refuse to take your life. That's not who I am. Are you getting this? Mercy and grace were already operating inside of a man in an inferior covenant. Because what happened was, his David... David became so a part of God's obsession that it started working on the inside of him. And so without belaboring the point, (laughs) David finally got the Ark of the Covenant back there and he said, now, now I'm going to give God what he really wants. And what God really wants is worshipers. It wasn't even worship. Jesus answered that. He said, for my father, he seeks worshipers. Did you catch that? And what we know from Bible history is once the ark found its place for God to say, that's my dwelling place, David wrapped a tent around the ark. There was no longer an inner court or an outer court an inner court, to most holy place. There was no longer a veil for the priest to go through. There was no longer that. It was a tent of dwelling. It was a tent of meeting that had a parameter and the ark of the covenant, the ark of God's glory rested there. Jerusalem is a city set in the midst of seven hills or seven mountains. That means that they could sit in the mountains. Families could sit in the mountains. Fathers could sit Archer, fathers could sit with their sons and daughters on on the Mount of Olives and look over to to the, the Mount Zion and see the ark and the glory of God upon it. The glory of God as a covering. The glory of God resting. The cherub there and the fire of the Lord burning there upon the mercy seat. And so David hired... Worshippers and singers. And he had them skillfully minister unto the Lord day and night and night and day. And you know how long he did it? Scripturally, it tells us for 33 and a half years. For 33 and a half years, there was unbroken, unbridled worship on Mount Zion before God day and night, night and day. Why? Why? For every year that the tabernacle of God would walk in the earth realm, giving perfect worship unto the Father. This is amazing. I'm gonna give you some Bible for this too. See, it's, what a picture. Day and night, night and day. It's it's another prophetic picture, guys. I'm gonna give you a few uh, scriptures here. David, I, I just, I had to, I wrote this down today. David received the baton from Moses. This is a great way to think of it. David received the baton from Moses. And what was it? The, the baton was, a, a, it was an inheritance of continual burning of the presence within the tabernacle. But now it was a whole new order. Okay? But what he picked up, Leviticus chapter 6 and verse, th- verse 13, A fire shall always be burning on the altar, and it shall never go out. Ho, oh, ho, ho. Leviticus 6 and verse 9, it says, The burnt offering shall be upon the hearth, upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire on the altar shall be kept burning. What, what, what am I saying? Day and night, night and there, there was a fire burning there. David's legacy was not going to be sacrificial giving of just animals. His legacy, you've got to hear this tonight. His legacy would become giving the sacrifices of praise and worship to give God glory. <laughs> I got to say this. You know how I told you how Jerusalem is a city of seven hills? When I was in the city of David right outside of the J- Jerusalem, <clears throat> the walls there on the Temple Mount, I was in the old city of David. And if you stand there and you do this, When you're up in the city of David and you clap, what happens is your clap crescendos and it reverberates through those valleys and in the mountains, and it echoes. It just, and Steve and I were there, we were like, let's, let's, let's do that again. And we didn't have a shofar on us, and then we raised a hallelujah, and my voice, <laughs> my voice took off like a shofar. It was like God just breathed through me. And that hallelujah just wrapped all around. It just went, whoosh, went down past the pool of Siloam in the, in, in the south region and just went, went through the other valley there. It was, it was extraordinary. And that's when I caught it. And that's where you got to catch it. You have to imagine 24-7, day and night, night and day, timbrels, the singing, the harps. The guitars, the voices going up before God, day and night, night and day, and that sound, guys, you got to catch it. There was a sound that was coming up out of the earth to God. That was spectacular. So let me give you some Bible. This is in First Corinthians chapter sixteen. Put it in your notes. First Corinthians chapter sixteen. Here, you, this is for you, Cody. It's for the rest of you, but it's for you, Cody. Psalm one thirty four as well. Write it down in your notes. David hired four thousand Levitical musicians. Let me say that again. David hired four thousand Levitical musicians. He hired two hundred and eighty eight Levite singers to minister to God nonstop. That's an epic vision. That's quite a worship staff. <laughs> that's that's quite a vision. It's quite a vision. He hired over 400 Levite musicians, 288 Levite singers to minister to the Lord nonstop. He had vision. Can you believe the yearly budget for that staff? Could you imagine that? And, and, and now what's, what's so utterly foolish is we've, we've seen the church in America buy into the game that people can't worship past 18 or 22 minutes because they can only take an hour. They, they, they can only take an hour. You have to stop at 18 to 22 minutes. People can't take much past that. 20-minute message, nice coffee, get them through, get that offering, get butts in the seats and get them out. You see, God has a greater, or epic vision for the gathering of the saints of God. And in these last days, I'm telling you the tabernacle of David is being rebuilt and it will be fully completely rebuilt. And the king of glory will rest on his throne and day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day, we will worship the King of glory, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He's coming. Guys, there's beautiful sanctuaries all across the landscape of the United States. There're magnificent churches but there's something missing. And what's missing is the glory of the Lord. I got three more pages of notes. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind it up here. God put a divine obsession in the heart of David. And David made sure, I will fulfill the plan. Why? God has to have a habitation, a resting place. I could talk, I I could do a series for the next 10 weeks, and I can't exhaust this. But I have to tell you, this is the spiritual DNA of this house. We are on a quest to make sure God has a resting place in this region. We are on a quest together. That's why we have become family, so that God can have a dwelling place in this region so that His glory can increase and rest here. We're not to become just some nice good old family church. We're to become a dwelling place for the glory of the Lord so that when people walk into the glory, they, are, they come in to a transformation of spirit, soul, and body. Everything about it. Changes. Evidently, the wineskin of the church in this hour is not cutting it. God has a greater vision for it. And I'm no expert at it, but I'm telling you, God has set this vision inside of my heart, my wife's heart, and the wife in, in the in the wife, in the life of this church. <laughs> we are the bride of Christ. <laughs> Cleanup work right there. God has set God has set this burning vision on the inside of us. It's our DNA. God must have a place to rest His glory. That He will have a habitation. You know, let it be said that God says, I looked and I found a place. And I found people after my own heart. I mean, really, let it be said that God can say, I found people after my own heart. And I'll give them my glory and my fire. I'll give them my glory and my fire. The greatest days of church history are not over and they're not in the past. The greatest days of church history are yet ahead of us. And the glory of the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. You are alive for such a time as this. You are a David people, you are a David tribe. Your heart has given you away. I've already seen it. You can't hide it. You've given it away. I know who you are. You know who I am. This is who we are. God must have a dwelling place. Lord, Make us your dwelling place, Lord. Make us your resting place. Show forth your glory. Show forth your glory, God. Thank you for your presence in this house tonight, God. Thank you for wooing us in again, God. Thank you for your ministry, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your goodness all night long, Lord. Thank you for your thick presence in worship, Lord. Thank you for the purity of heart, Lord. I know you're pleased, Lord. I know you're pleased. We give it all to you. God, we pray as a family tonight, make us a house of your glory. Make us a house of your glory. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen, 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 amen. I'd like our ushers to come. If you need an offering envelope tonight, lift your hand high. Those of you online, you can give right there safely and securely. If you're getting online, you can give safe, safely and securely. VictoryFLA.com. If you need an offering envelope for your check or your cash, you can lift your hand high. If you're writing a check tonight, you can write it to Victory. Now, while you're writing out that check, I'm going to keep preaching a little bit. Actually, I'm just going to keep prophesying. I believe that we are destined, our meetings, our gatherings are destined to become the greatest gatherings on planet Earth. I'm not just talking about victory church of his presence but I'm telling you they are to become the greatest gatherings on planet earth where God's power is so manifest and on display his presence is on display his power his shekinah glory his weighty kabod the weighty glory of God's presence is so on display and the power of God is breaking loose He will get all the credit. He will get all the glory. I believe it. Our gatherings are destined to become world changing. And I'm thankful that he uses us. These vessels. These vessels that have treasure in them. Aren't you you thankful? Honey, I know you want to come. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray your blessing tonight now on this offering. I thank you, Lord, for the generosity of your people, for the stewardship of your people. And Lord, I pray for abundance in their houses. Father, where the enemy is trying to sabotage and ambush them and harm them financially. Lord, things that have been put on pause or on hold or setbacks we we speak in the name of Jesus that your glory is released upon it your glory and your angels go and they release lord what belongs to the people of god no more setbacks and no more delays in the name of Jesus we speak abundance over you we speak prosperity Over you. We speak open doors over you, abundance in your house, and may God bless you in your storehouses. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.
1: All right, we just got a few announcements tonight. Um, First of all, our family house fire is tomorrow. And if you have not RSVP'd for that yet, you can um, text or reach out to the church number and get more information on that. But it is a parents' night out, so you'll be dropping your kids off and then all going out together as couples and families so, or adults, <laughs> I should say. So, um, if you, again, if you haven't signed up yet for that and you want to, you can reach out to the church number. Um, also our September calendars are in the foyer if you didn't pick one up on the way in they are out there or you can check our website and app for that Um, our house fires are starting back up in September so um, you know make sure you um, jump into one of those this month also oh and please look carefully at how you RSVP for the house fires it's always good for our Those who are hosting to know who's coming and be have preparation for you. So please make sure you do that. And September is going to be Victory's five year anniversary. So September twenty-four, Saturday night, we're gonna be celebrating that. And after our service, what'd you say? Oh it's a miracle. God's good. <laughs> so at the end of our service, we're just going to have some cake and refreshments for everyone for just fellowship and celebrating together, loving on one another. So make sure you're here for that. And then at the end of the month also, Friday, September 30th at 7 p.m., we are having a vision night. For those of you who don't know what a vision night is, it's for those of you who are newer to Victory and Um, are getting plugged in and you want to hear more about our vision and where we're heading, that would be for you and that would be a great place for you to jump in and kind of hear Brian and I share about how God has led us and um, what he's placed in our hearts, kind of like tonight, but um, a little bit more in depth and where we feel the Lord is leading us, what we've seen, right, what we've seen, so, and where we're going, so, um, you do need to RSVP for that, so you can also text or call the church and leave RSVP. If you do need child care, let us know, and we can provide that for you that night as well. And then just one more thing out in the foyer. As you can see, Brian is wearing a birthday, a birthday shirt. <laughs> he had a birthday this week. So with, there is a table out in the foyer for those of you who would like to... Um, to just share a blessing, a word. There's um, cards you can fill out out there if you didn't know or forgot to bring something, um, just so that we can bless Brian and thank him for all that he does. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Celebrate him. So. That's it. Love you guys.
0: We love you, Brian. <laughs> I love you, Brian. <laughs> I want to I open the altars tonight um, really really just to be with the Lord, just to be with the Lord. I want to open the altars for that. Um, I, I don't feel like we're to have the team tonight. Just I know you're honoring that, and thank you. And Cody, if you wouldn't mind, just to just see where the Lord leads you. But um, I feel like we just need to linger a little bit longer and just be with the Lord tonight. And um, it's important that we continue to learn how to build the altar and how you build the altars through quality time. And it doesn't just happen right here at this altar. It happens in the quality time of your life with God every single day. When I grew up in the church and I I had the privilege of growing up in a great church, we had altar time. And it, it, it was powerful. It was quality time with God. And we would linger there and pray. People would lay in the altars and seek God and It wasn't a time where we just prayed for everybody. It was a time where we lingered. And what's great about what we're about to do is deep prayers end up being pushed out of our heart and commitments to God in an altar time. So I encourage you to do that tonight. If you have to go, there's no condemnation. Um, We understand people have schedules, people have things going, but... I want to open the altars tonight, and I encourage you, linger with the Lord. You can, you can kneel in your chairs, too, and just, just make this a house of prayer tonight. And if I could ask you, please help us to make this a house of prayer tonight for these next moments. Um, and, and take your conversations out in the hall, you know, um, buy a bunch of books. <laughs> we got tons of tremendous uh, things from Dutch Sheets, resources from Dutch. Um, But I see those out there. And uh, if you could help us just to take conversations out there. But let's just make this sanctuary a place where we pray, we linger, we spend time in the Holy Ghost. Guys, I I love (laughs) you. Coming out of a saturation of worship like we had tonight and then shifting gears to preach, I I felt like I was walking like, oh, Jesus, help me. Uh, walking amongst angels. And so I try to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so thank you. Thank you for staying with me. I love you guys. Good night. And those of you online, God bless you guys. Good night.